He is risen. He is risen indeed. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is where we will be reading from this morning. We'll be picking up with verse 13 in just a moment. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. At the beginning of our service, Caitlin read the opening verses of this chapter of Luke 24, which tells the story of the women's wonder at the empty tomb. In the angel's announcement, he is not here. He has risen. This is the surprising joy of the good news. This is the essential message of Easter. He is not here. He is risen. But if we're honest, most of us have not had an empty tomb angelic announcement experience. Most of us who have come to know Christ have come to know him slowly and subtly over time. And if we're even more honest, most of us are still on that journey of coming to know him and believing in the power of the resurrection. But we are not alone in this slow journey toward Christ. We're not alone in this. Later on in the day, after the women discovered the empty tomb, a couple of other disciples were on their own journey. And it is their story that we read now. So Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? Jesus asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see Jesus. And Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets 
have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for this day and we celebrate your resurrection. God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is so much to reflect on throughout this passage, this encounter on the way to Emmaus. But there are three phrases in this story that really stood out to me as I reflected on it this week, which I want to reflect on together here this morning. Three phrases. Jesus himself came to walk up with them. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And at the table, Jesus broke bread, blessed it, and gave thanks. Jesus himself, we had hoped, and at the table. Let's consider these together. The story opens up with the two disciples on a journey to this village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. That's about a two or three hour journey for them. And in verse 14, it says they were walking and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they were on the way. So what is all this that they were talking about? Well, we get a glimpse into it down in verses 19 through 24. They're talking about Jesus and his incredible ministry. They're talking about the chief priests and rulers who had arrested him and sentenced him to death. They're talking about the shock and the horror of the crucifixion. And then perhaps most of all, they're talking about this confusing report of the empty tomb from the women. Not sure what to think about it, whether or not to believe it. 
It makes me wonder how many women throughout history have not been listened to or believed. They would do well to listen and trust. These two disciples on the road did not know what to think. But these women were witnesses to the empty tomb. They were commissioned to go and share and spread and proclaim this good news. And yet no one believed them when they said it. These two disciples on the road have no idea what to think. They're not excited and thrilled by the women's report, but rather confused and unsure. So they were talking about all that had happened as they walked along with each other. And then verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Jesus himself. There's our first phrase. This is an amazing and a climactic moment in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to imagine this story almost as if it were a movie playing out that you're watching. All right, The last time we saw Jesus on screen was his body broken, bloodied, being taken down from the cross, being wrapped in a linen and placed in a tomb. That's the last time we saw him. Now, surprisingly, a good bit has happened since then. But Jesus has not been on the screen yet. right? There's, there's the great sort of pause of Saturday. The, the silence and uncertainty of that. And then there's this amazing encounter at the tomb early Sunday morning. The bright flash, the appearance of the angels. So we know something wonderful is happening. But even then, in Luke's narrative, as he tells the story, we haven't seen Jesus back on the screen yet. Luke, as he tells this story, is, is building tension. He's, he's building mystery. He's raising up anticipation. What's going on here? And after this encounter at the empty tomb, the scene cuts to these two disciples walking along the road toward Emmaus, discussing everything that has happened. And then, all of a sudden, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. And Luke is emphatic about this. He doesn't just say Jesus came up and walked along with them. It's Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. It's not just the idea of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the, the presence of Jesus. It is Jesus himself, resurrected, flesh and blood, victorious over death, who comes to join them on this journey. And this, if, if we're still watching the movie, of the Gospel of Luke, this is the first time that we, the audience, get to see Jesus again in the story. 
right? It's this moment when surely the crowd, the audience goes wild, shouts, applauds, rejoices. There he is. Finally, the good news is about to get out. But then we have verse 16. They were kept from recognizing him. They didn't recognize him. There's a really deep irony in all of this, right? These two are walking along, talking all about Jesus. But when Jesus himself appears among them, they miss it. They don't recognize him. It makes me wonder how often this might happen to us. How often do we come to church, have our Bible studies, pray our prayers, talking all about Jesus? But then when Jesus actually appears, is actually present in the midst of our everyday life, we miss it. We don't recognize him. How often have we been so preoccupied with figuring everything out or getting everything right that we end up missing the opportunity to just be with Jesus? This is the good news of Easter. He is risen and he is with us. Will we recognize him? Now, I love the way that Jesus engages them as they continue along in the journey, right? Whenever they fail to recognize him, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't rebuke them and say, hey, look, you idiots, it's me. Instead, in verse 17, he asks them a question. What are you two discussing together as you walk along the way? And then the irony gets even thicker whenever one of the two reacts by asking, are you the only one who does not know all the things that have happened? On the contrary, he's the only one who truly knows all the things that have happened, right? But nonetheless, he responds with yet another question. What things? What things? I love this, that Jesus does not become frustrated with them. He does not become annoyed with where they are on the journey. He doesn't yell at them and tell them what they ought to do or what they ought to believe and think. Instead, he asks them a question and he listens. He listens to them. This is something we've been talking about for a while, isn't it? He listens to them. He literally joins them in the midst of their journey. He gently prompts them to reflect. And then he waits patiently for them to recognize him when the time comes. And this is what Jesus does with us in our own journey of faith. Jesus himself 
risen indeed, joins us and patiently invites us to see him each and every day. Now, as he gently prompts them with questions, they begin to respond. They begin to describe their experience, right? They talk about Jesus as a prophet who was powerful in word and deed, right? He declared and demonstrated the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus did among them. But then he was arrested. Then he was put to death. So in verse 21, they lament. They say, we had hoped that he had been the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. There's our other phrase. We had hoped he would be the one who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, we had hoped that he was not only a prophet who came declaring and demonstrating God's kingdom. We had hoped that he was actually the one who would establish God's kingdom. We had hoped that he was not merely a messenger. We had hoped he would be the Messiah. We had hoped that he would be the king. But the events of that week had dashed their hopes. The cross left them downcast. The empty tomb left them confused. But then, after patiently listening to their story, Jesus asks them another question. One that will completely turn their experience upside down. Verse 26. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? With this question, Jesus invites them to see these things, the cross and the empty tomb, not as stumbling blocks to their hope, but as signs of their hope. In verse 27, it's now Jesus' turn to tell a story. And so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And just like that, he begins to show them that the king they were waiting for was precisely the one who had to suffer and die. The cross is not the defeat of the hoped-for kingdom of God. It is the means of the kingdom of God. It's the way the kingdom was established. The empty tomb is not an idle tale from a group of confused women. It is proof that death has been overcome and the king reigns over all. The cross and the empty tomb are not stumbling blocks to their hope. They are signs of their hope. 
The question that Jesus asks them gets to the very heart of Christian faith. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? It can be summed up in one word. Resurrection. Resurrection. Resurrection is the central claim of Christian faith. And, and hear this. Resurrection is not just life. It is life through death. Resurrection is not just life. It is life through death. You see, I, I'm sure that just like these two on the road, many of us could share our own disappointing stories of, but we had hoped. But we had hoped. You know, we had hoped that the paycheck would be bigger. But we had hoped that the anxiety would finally go away. But we had hoped that the sickness would be healed. But we had hoped that this grief would finally pass. But we had hoped, fill in the blank. Our world is full of devastating crosses and confusing tombs. Our world is filled with all kinds of reasons to give up hope. But Jesus tells us that God's kingdom is not merely about life. It's about resurrection. God's kingdom is not about living the good life. It's not about health and wealth and comfort and all things going easily. God's kingdom is about enduring and overcoming death. It's about resurrection. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? This is the good news of Easter. All the places in life that feel most hopeless are suddenly and surprisingly infused with hope. The most vulnerable situations in our lives are precisely the places where God longs to show us that he is stronger than death. These are not stumbling blocks to our hope. They are opportunities for hope. These are the things we bring our resurrection hope to. The king did die on the cross, but he is risen, and this changes everything. And yet, these two disciples continue their journey toward the village of Emmaus. And though they are surely fascinated with the words of their fellow traveler, they have still not recognized him. 
But I think this shows us something about the journey of faith. So, when they arrived at Emmaus, they, they invited their traveling companion to stay with them. What we see is, as we journey through faith, we do not merely need information. We need transformation. We don't merely need information. We need transformation. So, as they get to Emmaus, they gather around a table. That brings us to our next phrase in verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Revelation did not come through Bible study. It came through the breaking of bread together. It is at the table that they finally recognize him. And isn't this just like Luke? Isn't this just like Luke? I mean, think back to earlier in the year. As we journeyed through the Gospel of Luke together, where Jesus is constantly at the table with others. He breaks bread with tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, disciples, friends, enemies. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus came building the kingdom, one table at a time. And here is yet another of these tables. Jesus joined them on their journey. He listened to their story. He encouraged them with Scripture. But it is at the table, breaking bread, where they finally recognize the risen Lord. The resurrection is not just content to learn about. It is a connection to live in. It's not just information. It is total transformation. And so after this encounter at the table, they look to each other and they say, were not our hearts burning within us as we talked on the road, as, as he opened the scriptures to us. I want to ask, have you ever had one of these burning heart experiences? A, a, a time when you felt like there was something more to life. There's something more going on under the surface. But you can't quite put your finger on it. A time when, when you felt a tinge of hope in the midst of hopelessness, but you didn't know why. A time when, when your heart burned within you with a sense of warmth and love despite all the odds. 
Have you ever had a moment like that? Easter invites us to look back on those moments and see Jesus, the risen Lord, in every one of them. He's been with us the whole way. He's been with us all along. Weren't our hearts burning within us as we talked with him? Jesus himself has been journeying with us each step of the way, even when we didn't recognize him. We had hoped that there was more to life than, than just this. And indeed, there is. And so at the table, Jesus invites us to commune with him. To receive the life that is greater than death. And to be transformed. Once these disciples recognized Jesus, they got up at once and returned those seven miles again back to Jerusalem. And this return journey was not a downcast trudge. It was a joyous sprint. They went there to share with the other disciples. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And to rejoice together. And so as we celebrate the resurrection together today, may we recognize Jesus in our midst. May we rejoice together. And may we proclaim this good news to all. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.